Damo, you big sweet tooth. Yes, MP, you chocoholic. So naughty but nice, we're a hit at the Wellness Summit and I want more. Well, how does 20 recipes in their free ebook Heavenly Healthy Desserts sound, MP? Jeepers, Damo, I'm loving that. Or you can hop on down to their brand new cafe, Selection Cafe in South Melbourne and receive 10% off your favourite healthy desserts. Woohoo! To do so, go to sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch and fill in your details to receive your free ebook and discount voucher. That's www.sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch. So naughty but nice, delicious nutrition. Thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives the real food real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health we get real on current research debunk food myths and educate you on how to just eat real food your host steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist is one of australia's leading sports nutritionists passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes smoothies and sweet potato if you love the show then please leave us a review on itunes Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome to episode 36 of The Real Food Real. Today on the show we have the next instalment of our real food family and we speak with Liz Sefton, wife, mother and athlete from Victoria. Liz has been a client of The Natural Nutritionist since 2014 and has joined The Real today to share with us her successes and how she makes Jerf work for herself and her family. If you would like to share your story, please email rfr at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au to get involved. We'd love to hear from you. Hi Liz and thanks for joining the show today. Thanks Steph. It's great to have you here and I'd love you to start with your story. So a little bit of background information um, as to where you started and certainly where you are now with your real food journey. Yes, certainly. Uh, I've always been conscious of what I ate and I've always exercised regularly. Um, But looking back, I was back in the low fat revolution and the food pyramid style of eating. And it was probably back in 2011 when my second child was born that I felt a bit frumpy and didn't feel at my ultimate best. So I decided to do a 12-week online program just to, um, just to lose that, that post-baby weight that I'd put on. And with that program, there was quite a bit of calorie counting involved um, it certainly it did the job. It certainly worked. I, I did lose lose some weight. And there was also something else about the program that ignited a bit of um, fire in me, though, in terms of it really sparked up my, um, my exercise goals and what I wanted to achieve. So through that, I, um, I learned to run and I started doing half marathons and a few things like that where I would... Um, carb load and do all those sorts of things um, but I'd always sort of seemed to come out injured at the end of each each half marathon and then it was probably I was injured so I decided to go into strength training so I decided um, to do a bit of bit more of a 12-week type of strength based type of training and I found that through that training that um no matter what I did, I didn't seem to have that definition that I was aiming for. And it wasn't until a friend of mine said to me, um, 
how about you you do something different for two weeks and it was looking back now it was more sort of a paleo based style of eating where I um, reduced a lot more of the processed type things um, and full fat type foods and yeah it was just a different style to the calorie counting I was used to and it was within that two weeks that I noticed there was a quite a big transformation in how and how I looked so that sparked um, yeah that sparked something in me to think well maybe there's a bit more to all this so I decided to to go into another style of eating and looked at I quit sugar and that, yeah, that sort of opened up a whole new world in, in um, what we'd been taught um, from that food pyramid and the, the, the low fat. It was a bit of a mindset trying to get used to going back to full fat type things. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to educate myself a bit more after, after doing the I Quit Sugar, which sort of led me to the natural nutritionist. Um, so... Through that, I, I discovered you and I did a, a bit of um, a, a detox through you um, and I, I guess I discovered how food was making me feel, um, not just eating food for the sake of it, um, but I, yeah, I'd sort of started to think about what was making me feel bloated, what food worked for me, what food energised me, what food slowed me down. Um, so that's probably... Yeah, which led me, that's sort of what led me to you and my real food journey. Yeah, I think it's a great example, Liz, and you and I have discussed this off air, but what I love about your story is that you have tried different things and, mm. and certainly quite different approaches in terms of being calorie counting and, um, and perhaps low fat mm -hmm. all the way through paleo and we know TNN is really just about jerf, real food. Definitely. But, you know, what you've done is experiment and you've spent a good couple of years finding out what works for you and, and certainly for the family. And I think that's a really important message because nutrition is one of the most relative things. And what we need to remember is that, you know, a piece of paper that you print out off off the web or you know a generic program it's it's about taking the education and the information but learning the art of applying it to your life because we always say that nutrition is both a science and an art definitely and no two people are the same so what works for what some some person doesn't necessarily work for somebody else yeah absolutely so tell us what you're up to now with with your nutrition, what would you say is your real food message? And then tell us um, from a practical sense how you make it work with yourself and your family. Oh, definitely. Um, basically, my real food message is all about nutrient-dense food, um, real food, um, minimal packaging, um, and choosing foods or that you know exactly what's in them and, and what's listed on the package. Um, so with our our family, I've um, the kids and I, we talk a lot about what um, where food comes from and if it comes from a tree, the ground, or if it comes from an animal. And um, that's really, I think that really helps them understand um, things a lot better is to what, where food comes from and they can understand what's good for them and what's perhaps just more of a sometimes food. 
Yeah. Um, so it was quite interesting. Recently, we sat down with um, with a supermarket catalogue, and I got them to have a look at it and circle everything that they thought came from an animal or a tree or a ground. Um, and that really that really excited them. Actually, going through that list. Um, That's really so, cool. And how old are your kids? Um, I've got Isabella, who's seven, and Jonty, who's four. That's such a fun little family game to play. I love yeah. that. And they do, and often they have a little competition with each other <laughs> to say, I've eaten more things off a tree than you have today or things like that. But <laughs> needless to say, it's still a work in progress with kids. I mean, it's never perfect. <laughs> um, there's so many influences, mm. um, grandparents for one. <laughs> <laughs> But, we'll but have to I get think, them to listen to the episode so you can put your right. little hints in. Mm. <laughs> but I think if they can um, see what I eat and what I prepare, I just hope it holds them in good stead for them to make good decisions as, as they grow older. Yeah, that's excellent. So it sounds like the family are very much, um, you know, eating or jerfing, as we say, eating real food most of the time. Definitely. So have you got some tips like, you know, ha- let's start with perhaps how you like to shop. So how do you source your food? Um, and we'll go from there. Definitely. We are extremely lucky that um, my um, my father was an orchardist so and they live on, on quite a bit of land. So they're very, like they grow a lot of their own fruit and vegetables and they've got chooks and that sort of thing so um, we're very lucky that we can get a lot of our fruit and veg and our eggs from mum and dad that's amazing yeah and they've also got um, almond trees and walnut trees and um, pomegranate trees and fig trees all sorts of different types of foods as well um, so Jonty absolutely loves nuts he loves getting them with his nonno mm. <laughs> and cracking them open with a hammer so, yeah, so we're very lucky in that sense. Um, also, I do try and get to a farmer's market occasionally whenever I can and we um, and I do tend to eat seasonally. So we try and get things that, that are in season. So um, we do go to the fruit and veg shop and if we do go to the supermarket, most of the time it's those outside aisles that we go to. Yeah, great point. So I was going to ask you, you've obviously got the catalogue at home and you're taking mm. the kids through that, but it doesn't sound like you'd be getting actually um, much produce from the supermarket these days. No, no, we're extremely lucky. And we've just moved house and one of the first things we've done is we've planted a lot of herbs. So we've got a little herb garden happening oh, too. That's so good. That's so good. And what about um, if we think practical level for a day-to-day how do you make sure you're feeding the family the nutrient-dense food so obviously you've got the supply now and you've got the food at home do you have a system that you like to use for example do you meal plan or um, how do you work it so that you're having family meals and also the kids for their lunch boxes Yes, we. I do tend to do a little bit of planning, but um, what I tend to find is one or two days a week I might do a bit of batch cooking mm. um, just to get things, um, just to be organised and that might be, um, you know, roasting some pumpkin and making soup with some of it, um, also making frittata, that sort of thing. Isabella tends to like having some frittata in her lunchbox for school. Um 
Yeah, so I de- definitely the main thing too is because you're eating real food, it's really easy to prepare. Um, there's not too much prep involved. So, um, or yeah, you, you cook a roast chook and you've got a few meals out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Simple strategies that do make it really easy for the whole week as we know the week can sometimes get a bit busy towards the end and if your food's ready to go, it can make a huge difference to your yes, experience. definitely. Yeah, lovely. And so you've obviously been doing this for a little while now. We have a lot of listeners on the show that are certainly new to real food. I wanted you to share um, a little bit of a summary or if you could give them a piece of a nutrition advice that you think is most important for either starting out or, or where they're at now in their journey? Definitely. I think the main thing is um, definitely find what works for you um, and I guess do your own experiment, um, work out what foods make you feel good and what foods perhaps, you know, listen to your gut, I guess. Your, your, your gut will tell you if a food will make you feel good or perhaps slow you down or not so good. Um, and I also think um, to begin with, just start with one meal, like make a change in one meal and then um, per day, say, breakfast or something. So that's seven meals that you've, you've, got, you've got planned for the week and then once you've got that down packed, perhaps then introduce lunch until you, you get that sort of in your head of what you need to do. Yeah, that's a great tip. I think there can be this sense of overwhelm and you and I were both at the Wellness Summit on the weekend, which yes. was an amazing weekend full of information and inspiration. But I did speak to a couple of people in between the presentations and some people were feeling overwhelmed. They felt like it was obviously fantastic to have all that info but they didn't really know where to go next. So we did a lot of summary um, towards the end of the summit and it was about picking that one thing. And I think that's really important because, I mean, one of the oldest sayings in the book is that Rome wasn't built in a day. And we apply Mm -hmm. the same thing to our real food journey. Like I didn't start making bone broth at all. That was one of the last things that I did, for example. So, you know, you've got to look at, where's the biggest investment so definitely if you're having if breakfast is a meal where you're eating refined foods and relying on packets then that is definitely one of the biggest items to address first definitely and i think if you have breakfast ordered it just sets you up for the day huge refined Mm -hmm. carbohydrates Mm -hmm. just keep you hungry and craving and cranky and hangry yes yes (laughs) And I spoke about this at the summit as well, which a lot of people resonated with. So, you know, we'll just go back to that, the 212 message that I know you live by. Liz, we talk about having two cups of veggies, an element of protein, such as a palm-sized piece of fish or meat or three eggs and two lots of good fats in each meal. So immediately we're getting the most nutrient-dense balance of macronutrients and that's really going to set you up for fantastic food choices and a nice stable energy and and certainly have a really positive effect on that back half of the day. Definitely. And I think, yeah, those ratios are just so easy to remember that anyone anyone can give that a go. Two, one, two. Two, Mm -hmm. one, two. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, very good. Okay. So I want to go back to your um, experience as an athlete because I love this part of your story as mm-hmm. well. So we know you um, you were running and it was half marathons that you were, that you started with, but as you said, there was always some injuries and certainly that affects your experience on race day and, and can be, you know, obviously quite negative in, in some aspects. So then you went into strength training, but we know you've come full circle and and come back to running. Yeah. Um, take us through what your most recent event was and how different it was compared to your carbohydrate loading of the past. Definitely, yes. Um, yes, when I, I can recall those half marathons where I would carb load and I can remember the first time I did one, I said to my husband, oh, my God, I feel so full and <laughs> fat, I guess is the word. I'm bloated, I guess, from all the carb loading. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I sort of learnt from that that, yeah, I certainly didn't need to go to that extreme. And gels, I remember trying the gels and having to run to the toilet. Um, oh that wasn't mm. fun. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, I decided um, to do a, a marathon last year and it was one of those things I wanted to tick off the list before I turned 40. So I decided to do a marathon and I decided I was doing this one differently. Good. Yes. So there was no carb loading. (laughs) I guess you could say I became more fat adapted. Yep. Um, And I had an amazing experience. My recovery was just phenomenal. People couldn't believe that, you know, I'd do a training run of 30Ks and I'd be walking around and they'd say, oh, how much, you know, how far did you run today? And I'd said 30Ks and they went, what? (laughs) And I was just walking around like I had just ran 10. So, and I truly believed that it was the nutrition that got, that, yeah, that got me through all that. Um, And I also was using natural fuel. Um, I was using your freedom fuel recipe on race day. And, and in my training in the lead up. So, um, yeah, it was all real food. There was no, you know, breads and pastas or anything mm. like that involved. It was, it was all, yeah, nutrient timing type things as well. Yeah. So what, what does nutrient timing mean to you, Liz? Yeah. Basically what I would do is I would base my, um, my carbs related to my nutrition, um, to my training, sorry. Yeah. So I would always, I used to train fasted or I used to run fasted until I hit a certain point and then prior to that when I was hitting those higher um, distances I would tend to have a half a smoothie or something like that beforehand mm-hmm. and then once I'd finished my, um, my training run I would always have um, – some form of a, like it would be a banana in a smoothie or some sweet potato or something like that as part of my recovery with some protein and good fats. Yeah, lovely. So that's one of the big messages that we like to get our athletes to experiment with because we certainly don't demonize carbohydrates, but we A, focus on whole food sources like fruit and vegetables Mm. and B, eat them strategically. So in the post-training window, it really does help accelerate recovery and we're only talking a small portion um half a cup or a piece of fruit just to top up that muscle glycogen allow the recovery process to be supported but at the same time we're 
focusing on 212 as well, so veggies, proteins, fats, to have a full meal full of nutrients to keep the insulin response low but provide that maximum nutrient density that we need, um, you know, that everyone needs and not to mention people doing uh, long course events. Definitely, yes. But, yeah, I'm still, yeah, I think when I compare my half marathon experience to my marathon experience in terms of recovery and injury, my marathon experience was just so much better. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm. And, um, you know, I just think that you had such a contrast, you know, the examples that you mentioned around how different you felt after those long runs on the weekend. And you've got a, you know, you've got a full family to look after straight as you walk in the door. So it's not like you can kick back on the couch. That's right. (laughs) Definitely, that's right. (laughs) And that must make it really manageable to integrate with all your other responsibilities. So tell us what a day on your plate looks like. Just one or two examples of things you like to eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Yeah, definitely. Um, for breakfast, um, I normally train first. So I, um, I'll i have my breakfast after I train and that will it will vary. I, I tend to love having um, an antioxidant bowl, which is like a smoothie. I, I tend to like having that, which is fruit and veg smoothies and things like that, or eggs and greens. I I like to do that with a bit of sweet potato or pumpkin. Um, Also, I like to do homemade um, granola. I love to have that with um, some coconut yogurt and a few berries or a a grated carrot or something like that in there. Um, So that's brekkie. Um, And normally I can get through to, to lunchtime pretty well. And lunch will generally be leftovers from the night before. Um, it can, this time of year it's soups or something like that, chicken and veg soup or um, frittata. Um, or I'll have maybe a salad with some form of a protein. Um, eggs, I sometimes like to have eggs at lunch too with some veggie slice or something like that. And dinner, I normally have protein and, and veg and fats again or salmon. I love salmon with um, with veg or I tend to do a curry or a butter chicken, something like that. Um, and I normally do tend to have an afternoon afternoon snack, which will generally be either some, um, some nuts or um, some veggie sticks or some smoothie because yeah, you can have a smoothie any time of day. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much my, my day. Nice and simple, but, you know, beautiful food choices in there. Definitely. Lovely. So I wanted to um, chat to you about what you've got coming up next in terms of some, uh, some training goals and also what you're up to with um, extending your passion for nutrition. Sorry, I didn't quite catch you that time. Ah, so uh, I wanted to ask you what's happening next with regards to your um, like your athletic goals and certainly how you're going to extend your passion for nutrition. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm currently studying, studying um, a food coaching course, which I hope to complete by the end of the year. Um, it's just a passion and it's something I've always wanted to do, so... Um, that's really quite exciting. I'm not too sure where I'll, I'll go with it, but, but for my own personal journey and my own um, um, education and knowledge, I, I've really enjoyed doing that. Um, and my next um, 
I guess as training for the, for the moment is um, riding, a bike riding. I, I'm doing a 200-kilometre bike ride in October for the Ride to Conquer Cancer for the Peter Mac Hospital in Melbourne, and I'm doing that with um, a great group of friends and all to raise money for a good cause. That's fantastic, Liz. Very inspiring. Beautiful. So before we wrap up today, where can our listeners find you if they want to check out any of your meal ideas and certainly what you're up to with your with your training? Oh, definitely. Um, I'm just on Instagram and my, I'm just on Liz Septon. So, yeah, I'd like to post a picture of what I'm, what I'm eating or where I'm dining. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope everyone's learnt so much today and and really being able to start to think about how they're going to apply that that beautiful information to their lives and into their family lives. So thanks so much for sharing your journey with us, Liz. It was great to chat to you. Great. Thanks for having me, Steph. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.